Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news, trends, and hottest topics that focus on advances in cybersecurity and cyber industry economics. Our expert yet down-to-earth hosts make cybersecurity straightforward. They ask the tough questions and make this challenging topic something that everyone can understand. Our candid approach lets guests open up on topics we would all like to see addressed. You can find us on the web at newcyberfrontier.com. That's www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join today's host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome back to the New Cyber Frontier, everyone. This is Sean Murray. We have a great guest, the Chief Security, former Chief Security Officer for many, many years over at AT AT&T, now with a a startup that uh, he uh, created, very unique, uh, Tag Security. Um, We're going to welcome here Ed Amoroso. Uh, Welcome to our show, Ed. Um, Lots of time uh, contributing to AT&T, Bell Labs prior, uh, prior to that, and You've spent about 31 years in academia and currently over at NYU and uh, uh, spent some time at Stevens as well. Welcome to the show. Why don't you give us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks, Sean. You did a pretty good job there. That's more (laughs) or less the highlights. I've been um, in cybersecurity basically my whole career. We didn't, as you know, they didn't call it that in the early days, like computer security or in post-stack. And and over time, um, I think you and I are probably examples of people who are pretty surprised that this geeky thing we were doing a long time ago has gotten to be really, really, really important to the world. So glad to be here with you and, uh, and looking forward to an enjoyable discussion. Yeah, you know, in, in you, when you talk about somebody who's kicked it around over the years, yeah, we now have this new sexy term called cybersecurity. <laughs> it really is all about information security at yeah. the end of the day. Um, new technologies, new pervasive technologies, terms like IoT, and mm-hmm. and uh, I, I heard a new term uh, a couple of weeks ago, AIoT, artificial uh, uh, IoT, so uh, artificial um, Internet of Things. So. I thought that was pretty interesting uh, that we're, we're, we're categorizing those things. Um, you know, we're in a pandemic, so uh, people are uh, in phase one. We're jumping to too, no, too many uh, new technologies and platforms without considering the security implications, right? Um, so what is it about tag security that you can tell us about? Tell us about your company and, and the thought process. All those years of experience, both as a practitioner, as an academic, um, you've seen a lot of things right, you've seen a lot of things wrong, and you're taking that experience and you created this unique organization that our listeners are absolutely, in my opinion, gonna love. I love it, I love the concept. You know, Sean, imagine you and I and one of your listeners all walking into the um, expo at RSA. We've all done it many years. And you know that feeling when you pass the guard, you walk in, and then you look out and you go, you got to be kidding me. Like, you look at them, just each of the expo halls with four or 500 companies. And you know what? Every single one of them run by somebody who has the guts to start a company, you know, like trying and the family's behind them and they're trying and they want to get, deliver a platform. They want to make money. And they're all looking around too, saying the same thing. Like you got to be kidding me. So <laughs> that problem for both enterprise, like what do you do and vendors? Like, how do you get noticed? That's what we do at tag. Now the, the, the problem 
that's uh, I think has been pretty pervasive is that to date, the way you deal with that is you go to the analyst community and you ask them, you pay them like a hundred grand to mention you in a report or you pay them off a bunch of years to be up in the higher part of a quadrant or worse, you pay them off a bunch of years for them to give you that starter like loser quadrant. We'll start you in the bottom left, you know, and then as you, you know, over the years, we'll, we'll move you up. It's just a, a really silly, meaningless process. I mean, like to tell me that a, a Lamborghini is better than a Hyundai, you and I would go, well, yeah, but like for a college kid with no money, maybe a Hyundai is better. So there, there are reasons why quadrants and waves are just a terrible idea. So, so we really started trying to disrupt, um, disrupt the research and advisory business, something I'd been thinking about for a long time. And it just was bothering me that that just didn't seem like it was serving our industry well, something I've devoted my entire life to. So now I get up every day. And, um, and we get up and we go try to be the ungartner. That's, that's basically what we're trying to do, trying to democratize and do it properly. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. And, and that's a big claim too, right? So, you know, when we look at the metric streams, the Gartners, uh, the, the research uh, institutes, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, who's paying the price, who's, who's funding what information and, and who gets to say what information is important. Um, that's all, uh, it, it's all part of the discussion. It's, it's pervasive. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to have a, a, a continued conversation with Ed uh, over Tag Security. We're going to be right back right after our sponsor. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. We have Ed Amoroso from Tag Security, uh, lots of years in the industry, uh, one of the pioneers um, working at some big uh, dog, uh, you know, organizations, uh, AT and T and and Bell Labs. Uh, been in academia, you know, just as long. So contributions for both sides, and and, and gets to actually see, um, you know, the interactions between the two. So you know, if you were stuck all in academia and you never get any, you know. Uh, any experience over on the professional side or vice versa, sometimes um, you can have a, a different viewpoint. So taking the experience of both sides of the coin, so being in academia and then being a practitioner and then taking the experience from both sides to create this company, Tag Security, uh, explain how how that that makes you feel and how does that benefit your clients? Well, it's funny, for many years, there's been like disdain between the two groups. And you know, because you, you teach, like academics view practitioners as um, these frivolous money chasers just building platforms that don't work. And the, the, uh, the practitioner community looks at academics as a bunch of people, you know, writing papers that nobody reads, you know, the people who can't write. You know, for people, 
you know, so I mean, that's that's like the the two communities kind of beating up on each other. And I, I it's another thing I've devoted my life to doing, like kind of bridging the gap. Like I did um, 180 Coursera lectures. That uh, I think you can get that stuff for free. Um, and you know, it's really my attempt to try to make uh, complex topics a- a- accessible to practitioners. And when I say complex, I mean things like, you know, the, um, the 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 bowels of public key infrastructure and the way Kerberos, you know, messages are are, are sent back and forth to share uh, secrets and create single sign-on. Those are beautiful technologies. People don't have to be mathematicians to understand it. And usually when academics have a hard time explaining it's because they don't understand the damn thing themselves. So, so really, I, I you know, do spend a lot of time trying to bridge that gap because it is a mistake, I believe, for practitioners to ignore foundational issues. I know you know that because you teach. But, it, but by the same token, it's crazy to, you know, when you get this uh, bearded professor up explaining crypto and saying this is how you make everything secure, that's also utterly ridiculous. I remember one time going to a, a crypto, you know, the cryptographer's panel, you go to it, or say, I always go, because I, I think it's fun. And somebody said something like, you know, one time pad is perfect. And there's a kid sitting next to me and he mutters, he's like, yeah, but what if somebody steals a pad? I nudged the kid and I said, that's exactly right. Like I said, hold that thought for the next 30 years, because you're right. That, you know, the crypto might be just great, but somebody steals a pad and the whole thing is stupid. So, so that interplay between practice and, um, and theory is really fun. And that's how science has emerged. Like, you, you know that computer science is not really a science. We have no laws. You know, we have no, you know, repeatable principles. There's no experiments we run to confirm our hunches. It's not really a science. In fact, anything has to call himself a science isn't one. You know, political science, uh, behavioral science, computer science, these are not sciences. So we're in the early stages of figuring out essentially what it is that we do. And, and I think eventually computing will emerge as a branch of mathematics with, with some meaningful scientific foundations. And I think eventually cybersecurity will settle in as something that has a risk that, that all of us are willing to accept, like getting in the car is a risk. But you and I don't worry about that. We don't do podcasts about, you know, don't put kids in the car. You, you should be safe. That'll always be an issue. But none of us think anything of throwing the kids in the van and driving cross country. So I think um, cybersecurity needs to get to that point. And that's more or less the end goal, just getting to where this is no longer the, 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 the straw sticking up on, on top of all the others. It's got to be pushed down so it's an equal risk to other things. That's the work we have. It's probably going to take us 20, 30 years to do it. You know, in, in your, uh, you're kind of an anomaly. You're... You were uh, a CISO back in the dot-com era, when, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? But before we called called CISO yeah, CISOs, right? And so, um, and it's not been since the last 10 years, and 10 years is really stretching it, that we've actually coined the term, you know, chief security officer, chief information security officer. Uh, usually it was some security, information security, as you pointed out earlier, that was the responsibility of the CIO who was just starting to settle into that new role. Because, really new role. Um, yeah. They have even come after the first security roles were put in place. <laughs> 
that's and they struggled to to fit into the board and and now they're a staple in the board just like the cfo cro and everyone else and so here we are you know uh, in in the second decade of a new millennium and uh you know cso's are starting to get recognized how does that how did you compare what where we're at today to your role with a large company like AT&T back in the dot com boom back in the 90s you know the I'll give you an analogy there's this cool book called my years in general motors by alfred sloan beautiful yeah. book like it's actually kind of a boring book but it's kind of looks cool to put on the shelf cuz it's written in the 60s but if you buy the book you'll see it has org charts for general motors in 1920 30 40 50 and 60 very cool like literally the org charts. What I noticed was in the 20s, there was no evidence of a personnel department anywhere in the org charts. In the 30s, there was a little hint at the bottom, maybe some people typing badges. Then World War II happened. And after that, the org chart at General Motors had a personnel department with a VP. 50s, it was an executive VP. The 60s, it was higher up. And now today, show me a Fortune 1000 company that doesn't have an HR executive reporting directly to the CEO. They all do. So we watched that that function bubble up gradually. Cybersecurity is exactly the same thing. You go back to the 80s, there was no, there was nothing, no, no semblance. The 90s, you started to see a small little function, people like myself, Steve Katz and others who were kind of doing it, running something. The 2000s, you started to see a legitimate group. Now, Every company has a CISO, but here's an interesting experiment. Go look at the Fortune 1000, look at their websites, and you know when you click on meet the team or meet the leadership team, and it's that posed photo where they're all wearing a suit, and it's like the whole group there, and there's the CFO and the CEO and the head counsel. There isn't one, not one, that I can find, other than security companies like Fortinet, Palo Alto, that it shows the security person in that picture. So the CISO is not important enough to be part of the leadership team. My prediction is in the next 20 or 30 years, there won't be a single company that doesn't have a lead information risk or security risk or something reporting directly to the CEO. That's 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 the path we're on. And we're just in the middle stages of it. But we'll look back on this and say, remember when you didn't have the security thing reporting directly to the CEO? And it'll be pandemic, business continuity, information risk, security. It'll be this risk kind of position because you and I know with COVID, you have to rethink the way continuity and the way you know, business resilience uh, is designed. And I think, that, I think you'll see that in every company. It won't take long. Yeah, you hit key right on it. So information security risk, risk management. And, you know, it's one of the things I, you know, one of the things I teach in a GRC course and uh, specifically in a CISO course, Mm -hmm. and that is the CISO, other than HR, probably has a stronger relationship or should with all of the other business unit managers because, you know, you don't have a big budget as a CISO, but you can influence the other budgets. What tech are you buying? What risk are you introducing? What business processes when 80% of them are processed, transmitted, or stored? What other risks are being introduced to the environment? And are we really communicating across the, the realm with all of the stakeholders to address information security risks, cyber security risks, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the job description you just laid out. 
Um, that doesn't really require technical skill, does it? It requires executive skills, persuasion Correct. skills, communication skills. And yet, name one CISO that has moved from, say, like a marketing function or a, you know, or a completely non-technical function into the security job and then out to something else. I worked in a Theory Z company, and one of these uh, companies where executives are interchangeable, with two exceptions. The lawyers stayed where they were, and the security person stayed where he or she would be, and that was it. And you were deemed unfit for any other position in the company. So it was like, all right, do your security thing. Don't mess up, because if we get hacked, there's the door. And that's the way CISOs are treated now. You did a nice job describing the real goal, and that's persuading and, and, and cooperating and coordinating and maybe even cajoling. Uh, business units and teams to, to, to fall in line with both infrastructure design, with process, with all of the above. You don't need to be a firewall administrator to do that. You have to have good communication skills. So that's another thing. As the position evolves, it'll become a more general executive position by people who have those skills and they may not have started their career in crypto like the way we all did. It'll be different. Yeah, I agree. It, it's great uh, conversation. Uh, we're right at that point where we're going to go and take a little bit of a break. Um, we're with Ed Amoroso from Tag Security. Great conversation. We'll be right back after this message. back everyone new cyber frontier this is sean murray great conversation that we're having with ed amoroso um great uh, great skills great knowledge on the academic side on the practitioner side um more in, in a, an evangelist in my opinion role with tag security now um taking all those things that we've learned the painful things the great things and you know in knocking down some of those barriers that have been stifling mindsets uh, in, in the way that we do business for decades. And, um, I, you know, we just before we were uh, had this, before we started the session, you were talking about uh, some of the things that Tag Security does um, in, in, in helping organizations. Can you hit on that? Because what the interesting part was um, you guys spend a lot of hours and you don't charge any money. Well, <laughs> we make it up in volume, right? So, <laughs> no, I mean, eventually, but really the uh, enterprise business pays the bills. That's what we pay our rent. Like a lot of enterprise teams will hire us to help optimize their portfolio and to run kind of um, startup accelerator programs for them because we know all these vendors and we're completely unbiased. So, you know, we're not, we're not paid off by anybody. If a little company, you know, outperforms a bigger one, then we're going to say it because that big company is not on the back end paying me a million dollars to say something differently. So, so that's been a really nice business for us. You know, we found that's kind of funny. I, I bet you do this too. When, when you meet a, a security team, 
and you ask them something like, you know, who's your firewall vendor? Let's say they say, I don't know, Fortinet or something. And you say, that's great. And, and again, we all know Ken Z, wonderful guy and good, good company. But if you say, why'd you pick them? There's usually crickets. And then a funny answer like, well, we have somebody in our team that really liked them or kind of inherited it. Hey, Bill, do you know where we got it? Do you anybody? No, they were just kind of here when we got here. Could you imagine like bridge designers or nuclear power plant engineers who go, hey, where'd you pick your safety system? They go, I, I, don't, I don't know. It was just like here when we got it. It's ridiculous. Sounded so that, sexy at the time. It's dumb, right? So, so that's one of the things we, we say. It's like, let's go back. Let's look at your portfolio. Make sure you've picked products that are the right ones for you, where the selection process, you actually actively made a decision. Like I mentioned Fortinet, that's a great decision, but I mean, you should at least make it and, and, and it should be something that you do. And there's all these other things that buyers are just, they, they don't think they're like, here's my favorite tip that I'll give. Just share this with your listeners. Don't tell anybody else this. But if you look at all the vendors you have in your portfolio, and you just ask them when their, their fiscal year ends, you know that if their fiscal year ends in July, that you're gonna get 10% off anything you buy in June. So why don't you just keep track of that? And I do, and we do. And when we go to enterprise and they say, we have to cut 10% of our budget, I just say, well, just find out when everybody's fiscal year ends and that's when you re-sign, because they'll, they'll sign any paper in the two weeks before the end of their year so if you know when it is, then you can cut your budget. I mean, little things like that that are practical that people don't do. It's like so amateur hour not to do that sort of thing. And we built a very nice practice doing that. I don't know that Gartner and Forster could come anywhere near our ability as practitioners. So I have a bunch of old AT&T um, executives working with me. You know, we're like the old uh, 1974 Washington Redskins. Like we're a bunch of old guys um, helping companies out. And we've got, uh, we've got some diversity in the company, but we are a lot of old guys. But we, we, we love it. We're able to really go in and, and give the, the, the tips and the, the tricks that we've learned over the years. Um, so that's how we're able to help vendors uh, in a democratized way. We can charge a large bank. Again, just between you and I, we'll charge them a lot of money to do that. But I, I don't mind charging a bank, but I don't, I don't like to charge a little startup. I like to see them get a great deal. That's a great, uh, great balance. And mm-hmm. I like the, uh, the perspective of the integrity behind and the mindset. Take all those lessons learned from you and your team uh, over the years <laughs> and, and share those little tidbits. Yeah. That, that, the little analogy just associated with the fiscal year. Uh, who, you know, who's got that mindset thinking when you're running around putting out fires <laughs> all day long? Wow, what a great idea. Because she says, don't have a big budget, right? Um, you know, in, in depending on the size of their portfolio, portfolio, what they're in charge of. Um, but, you know, again, th- that influence piece to it. Um, I, I, I know the former CISO from uh, Michael's department store. He was in one of my first CISO classes and it was him and the, the former, he, he as the former CISO and the new CISO. Well, after the Michael's preach, the, you know, yeah, that was going back, it, it, he laughs, he goes, you know, um, you know, we're, we're, 
we had to hold somebody accountable, Michael. And so, uh, sorry, you got to go, but we want to hire you back and to hire your replacement and, and consult with you to make everything better. (laughs) Mike laughed at it, but he would go back and and he'd talk about the fiscal year thing. And, uh, he said he would set up a a shrine in his office with a (laughs) coffee pot and all these other things. And he'd sit there for two or three days at the end of his fiscal year. And it, and he had like three or four different phones, you know, negotiating with vendors who were yelling and screaming obscenities at him. And <laughs> it's when he made his best deals. So, yeah, it's that experience um, that as a practitioner who's, who's been around the horn and, and experienced those types of things, you do learn some tips. And to be able to pass those on, um, especially startups, small businesses, um, it's the integrity, a goodwill piece to it. Um Let's go back over to uh, the academia side. Mm. Um, contributions over there, you're writing papers and publishing and speaking at conferences. And yeah. so give us a little bit of, uh, you know, what are your contributions on that side? Uh, and we know that we only have a few minutes. <laughs> well, let me just plug the uh, CCS index. So Dan okay. Gear um, is a good friend of mine. Um, and, and he contacted us over at NYU, I'm the computer science department there. He called us up and said, hey, would you help us with this index? He'd been working with um, Mukul Parikh, who's now, I believe, at Wells Fargo. Good guy. And these are two, um, you know, metrics geniuses, right? These guys are good, right? And they created this sentiment index about 10 years ago where they asked a bunch of cybersecurity experts. I was one of the ones they participated in. I, I, at AT&T, we supported this. Um, to basically say, yeah, what do you think about security this month? More or less, you know, it's a bunch of questions, but it comes down to, yeah, what do you think? Like real sentiment, what's your gut? And they'd been graphing it and... There wasn't much shape to the graph, and they, and they wanted us to look and get involved, and we took the whole thing over. Now, with our graduate students at NYU, um, I run a metrics seminar each, um, each uh, fall, and uh, we have a bunch of uh, students, and we're, we're, published a, we're about to publish a paper, I think it would be in Computers and Security, that really comes to the conclusion that while you can't use sentiment to predict something, I can't look at a sentiment index and go, oh my gosh, next week Michaels is going to get hacked. What you can do is a general sort of broad correlation to the way things more or less are going. And weirdly, for about 12 years now, the entire community seems to be becoming a little bit more depressed and a little bit more worried that the threat is increasing. It goes wiggles along. But it's like the stock market, you know, it could go up and down, but if over time it keeps going up. Our sentiment index, and we publish it on the NYU site, NYU CCS, um, it suggests that things are getting worse. So, so we've been digging through the data, trying to figure out, this, are we interpreting this right? But it's a lot of fun. Students like it's mostly master's PhD students at NYU, and, I, and I, I've been supervising that now for three years. So it's fun, and it's a combination of academic data analytics, which I love, and also an index that's just open on the Internet. People can read it. We'll give them the JSON of all the data that we, we pulled down, happy to provide that data to researchers who want to use it. So, yeah, that's an example of something we work on over there. That's great. You know, and uh, one of the things we've seen evolve, especially uh, during this pandemic, um, 
uh, it was medical something or other was the the number one you know most sought after job in the United States, mm-hmm. and and today the number one uh, most in demand job is a data scientist, and yeah. it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Uh, the pandemic's creating so much information, so much data, um, we can't ingest it all, and and so um, if you take a look at um, that as a discipline as a researcher, um, that aspect of of what you're doing, your contributions, um, <laughs> get some get some philanthropists to stand up a wing, build a wing. Yeah. Oh, we've hit we've hit some of the big guys up. That's one of the way. I, I wish I could say their names here. I would have to ask them first. But there's some wonderful um, venture capital groups and equity um, private equity companies and some individual investors who've been very kind to help us. You know, with um, grow the thing. And obviously NYU supports us. They give, they give me some discretionary budget. But the main thing is we've gotten a lot of help from the outside and Dan Gear, McCool and, and Nasser uh, Memon, who, who helps me with the thing. We, we, we have a lot of fun with it. And I know the students benefit. So it's that good synergy between industry and learning and uh, community. And it, it's nice. So we'll, we'll see. I, well, I'll let you know if the index drops and everybody starts thinking, thinking the threat's going down, that'll be news. I, yeah, I don't that, expect it. That'll be awareness is uh, <laughs> starting to taper off, I think. Uh, I don't think the trend is going to go down, but maybe the awareness aspect of it. We'll see. You know, so, Ed, you know, we've come to the end of the program and, um, you know, I could, I wish we were at RSA at the pub and we could be talking for hours. Mm. Um, what are the final parting thoughts that you want to provide for our audience? Well, I hope people visit our site at tag-cyber.com. It's a content-rich site. We put a lot of, it's almost a rapid's hole of uh, content. And please follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. I do a cartoon series called Charlie Ciso, where we kind of make fun of uh, oh, awesome. the, the, the uh, security industry. That. Yeah, just uh, Charlie Ciso, and you'll see we've done some good ones. Um, and take a look. I hope people enjoy it. We put the content out there for people to learn and enjoy. So I hope people do it. Well, great. Uh, thanks again, Ed. Uh, we've been talking with Ed Amoroso from Tag Security. Uh, contributions in the industry are many and, and, and span over decades. Um, this is Sean Murray from the New Cyber Frontier um, podcast. And, and just one more you know, warm, heartfelt thanks to you, Ed, and, and your team. Sure. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. All right. Thanks again. Uh, This is Sean Murray with the new Cyber Frontier. That's it for this episode. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to New Cyber Frontier. Remember to follow or like our post and circulate each new show to your networks. We keep you informed, bring you the latest news, explore new trends, and find the hottest topics. With New Cyber Frontier, you don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert. Just get plugged in. We encourage you to get involved. Tell us what topics interest you and join our mailing lists. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. That's newcyberfrontier.com. Check out our previous interviews and please let us know if there are any topics that you would like to hear discussed. See you next time on New Cyber Frontier.